because authenticity is about validation. And that validation creates that believability. And if it's not there, a lot of the other things kind of fall off the sides too. Hello, and welcome to the Helping Organizations Thrive podcast. This is your host, Julian Roberts. This podcast is to provide leaders and business owners with insights, discussions, and robust strategies to help their companies thrive. We'll be interviewing business leaders, owners, and experts in the field of business resilience. As a consultancy, we're here to help SMEs build resilient, high-performing teams and businesses quickly so they can innovate, deliver, and thrive. If you would like to build a resilient team and business that creates, innovates, and delivers, then do get in touch at julianrobertsconsulting.com. Welcome to Helping Organizations Thrive. Uh, today, I have on the show George Miniakis. Uh, welcome, George. Hello, how are you? I'm very well. Good to see you and uh, to speak to you today. Uh, as we enter the new year, uh, and those who are listening onto the podcast, it might be a little bit later than January, but this is the first uh, podcast I'm doing this year in terms of recording live, so uh, it's great to have you on here. Uh, I'm just going to tell the audience a little bit about you, and then we'll get into some sort of conversation. Uh, you're the CEO of Inception Retail Group, uh, which does two things. It helps companies build a longevity strategy and also a turnaround uh, struggling businesses. Uh, now, you're a global retail executive with over 25 years of experience in general management, business and brand development, strategy, talent development, and leadership. So a wealth of experience. And you've also published three books, uh, not one book, but three books, and um, uh, one's the new bricks and mortar, another one's lasting, last retailer standing, and then the one we'll probably dive into a little bit more on uh, as we talk today is the great transition, emergence of the unconventional leadership. Uh, and what we will be exploring later on is all about authentic leadership and uh, how that ha- creates an impact and how we can have an influence with that and how it might differ in different cultures as well. But before we go there, um, I really want the audience to get to know you a little bit more in a more intimate, personal way, is uh, what do you love about what you do, George? Um, You know what? Um, I love business. The business world is my life. Um, I probably will tell you that from the age of eight, um, I can remember, you know, this is how you make money. And so I I love commerce. I love all of that. Um, but what I love the most is being able to impact on organizations and people. Uh, you know, I've had a great career and I've put, you know, helped a lot of people climb the ladder, uh, the corporate ladder. And so I think they're grateful. I don't know. I haven't heard from them in a while, but I'm thinking they're grateful. And, uh, you know, but I'm returning a favor. You know, I, I've had good mentors myself. So, uh, I love, uh, I love that part of the business and I'm a retailer at heart. I've grown up, I grew up in it as a kid. And uh, I found myself in it. It wasn't really the plan. found myself in it and uh, climbed that corporate ladder myself. But at the same time, um, you know, I, I guess the one mantra that I have is I really want to cut out the nonsense that people are chasing out there when it comes to retailing and get them to the pragmatic side that helps them achieve their objectives. So that's what drives me. Oh, there's a there's a lot in there, and I've got about five thousand questions I could just ask about sure. that. <laughs> the one I'm I'm intrigued on is um, 
when you were eight years old, you knew about in business about sort of doing things. What why, why, what what happened at eight years old that made that sort of point? Great question. So I look, I'm the son of an immigrant of, of an immigrant parents, right? So they came from Sparta, Greece, into Montreal, and uh, I was born in I'm a Canadian born, so I was born in Montreal. And I saw the hardship my parents went through, you know, as immigrants and what they had to do to adjust. And by the time I was eight years old, I realized, you know what? If you owned a grocery store, you'd never have to worry about food. If you owned a transportation company, you'd have to, never have to worry about transportation. And if you owned a, house, a company that builds houses, you would never have to worry about owning a house. So and that was kind of the aha moment when you're eight years old, right? Mm. It's kind of the things that really mattered in, in our household things that my father was working for, my mother was working for, and um, it stuck. So then I, you know, I, I was really involved on the consumer side, and it, it, it never gone away, ever. You know, so I'm intrigued by it. It's driven. It's amazing to have a, an aha moment at eight years old and to think so, so insightfully and so pragmatically as well. Um, actually, I mean, eight years old, interestingly, I think I suppose I've always been a budding entrepreneur. Me and my brother, who is slightly older than me, were washing windows in bungalows in our local area, eight years old, going around, knocking on doors and washing windows for money. And uh, so always the entrepreneur and uh, it starts young. <laughs> well, no, you're right. We, I was uh, knocking. I knew where the elderly people lived in the community. So I would knock on their doors and offer to take their garbage out. And, you know, so I would get 50 cents or a dollar or whatever, take their garbage out. I mean, it was, we all did our, we all did, we all, all of us had it in us. Well, absolutely. And so today I mentioned at the start talking about authentic leadership and it's, it feels like a conversation that's many years old in some sense, because it's been, been talked about an awful lot, authentic leadership. Um, I think it was back in 2008 that um, some guy came up with the authentic leadership sort of uh, sort of scale in terms of defining authentic leadership and measuring it through questions and everything else, like a psychometric questions. Um, I'd really like to get your perspective and your view on what you define, how you define authentic leadership. Okay. So, uh, Julian, I'll start like this. I'll start it this way. Um, authentic leadership has always been a subject that's been a pet peeve of mine. Um, in fact, in the book, uh, The Great Transition, that chapter came to life because I was trying to solve this problem that I thought that I believe it still exists. And when you look at the world around you, particularly when in my life, in my life where you do a lot of interviewing of candidates, and sometimes I'm not involved in them, but others were. And sometimes I would ask a question. So what was authentic about that individual? And you could have three people in the room. And you have three different answers. But most of the answers were not something substantial. You know, well, they, you know, if they were interviewing Julian, Julian is very charismatic. Julian is, you know, presents well. Julian, you know, is very appealing. Well, those are not substantial enough to, sit, to determine whether or not we should hire you, Julian, right? Mm -hmm. But those, those things really got under my skin after a while and said, just got to be a better way because authenticity is such an important part of an individual. Mm. Um, so the way I define it in a very simple way, um, first of all, in the book, I refer to it as the reliability quotient. And there's four attributes. It's uh, authenticity, which is about believable leadership. It's integrity, which is about incorruptible leadership. 
It's credibility about proven leadership and then accountability, which is my favorite, no excuses leadership. And But not, those other three are meaningless unless authenticity is believable. You can't convince me that you have a lot of integrity if I don't believe who you are. So, for example, um, let's take an individual who, if we're hiring somebody uh, that we want them to have uh, a good understanding about protecting the environment. Think about that. So I could have studied your company and I could have come back into the interview and said all the right things. But I'll ask, now you ask me a question. So George, you know, that's really very authentic of you. Now tell us, what have you done to actually bring that to life? Well, if I haven't brought in, if I haven't not doing anything out there to drive that to improve the environment or engage in the environment discussions, being on a podium somewhere, well, my authenticity around that falls apart pretty quickly. So I use that example because it's an important one, because authenticity is about validation. And that validation creates that believability. And if it's not there, a lot of the other things kind of fall off the sides, too. That's my place place in it i like those i mean we'll come on to the other aspects as well i like those uh, integrity credibility and accountability in terms of leadership as well but just just staying with the authenticity um how do we ensure that we that we're walking and acting in an authentic way because the elements of in life that we we play roles, but we do play roles in different areas. We do, and we act slightly differently, don't we? Um, doesn't mean we're being fake. There's just a, a context, a situational change, isn't there? Um, how do we ensure that we have been truly authentic? What is it about us, and how does that play out? And what, I guess, advice would you share about that? So I guess what I, the place I, I've landed on that is that, you know, authenticity to the individual is that you've reached a level of self-realization of who you are. And that makes a big difference because that creates uh, a higher level of trust in, in who you are and that you could be, that you could be counted on. And it's, a, it's an important element. Um, I've read material uh, that suggests that you, a lot of people work on their authenticity, but to, be, to, be, to look real, but they never really reach that level of a performance, personal performance and, and awareness and for whatever, and there are a number of reasons for it because they don't develop themselves or they don't have the right mentors or they don't get the right uh, level of experiences. All of that plays in it. But majority of us um, are authentic. It's just we don't, we don't get there. But let me, Julian, let me give you this example. Think about brands, right? Luxury brands, premium brands and mass brands. What would kind of if you if you wanted to be an authentic leader, which one would you want to be? The answer is, you know, it's it's not it's not as easy as you think. But a luxury brand, you know, from A to Z in terms of manufacturing and developing products, designing them and putting them out to market, it's always flawless or generally flawless if it's a good brand. Premium brands do the same thing, only they serve mass markets and they start to fall apart a little bit more. Mass brands, we know well. Where did the sourcing come? Where did the products come from? So when you look at authenticity, I, I, I see it the same way. You know, if you want to be seen as authentic, you need to try and strive for that luxury level yourself. So every aspect 
of who you are is not questioned. So, so in some ways, the authenticity comes through this self-awareness, isn't it? Through knowing who we are, because you can't be authentic unless you truly know who you are, your values, beliefs, uh, what you stand for, uh, what is your true self in that sense, isn't it? It's all about that sense of, and then I guess it's them creating that transparency, isn't it, to other people to see that through your actions, through your behaviours, your language, how you interact, uh, and almost that's through your sort of relational stuff. So being authentic, how does that have a greater impact in leadership in an organisation? Why being authentic, why being yourself or your true self makes a greater impact? Because you talked about one of your things you love about your, what, what you love is about having an impact on the people and the businesses around. Well, so that you, you, you touched on it briefly. You know, you talk about transparency and, and there's consistency in what you do as a leader. Those are important elements uh, within the organization. So you're seen as someone that uh, is always performing at a certain level and behaving at a certain level. Behaviors are very important, a part of authenticity. And that consistency in those behaviors is important. But if you're an individual who wants to portray themselves as someone that, you know, it has an open door, but the door is closed or only only open to a few, then the authenticity starts to fall apart. You know, I think what I'd like to add to this conversation, too, is that organizations also need to define what authenticity means also, right? Because mm -hmm. the dilemma for organizations is if you don't define it, then you could end up, if you have 500 employees, you could end up with 500 different personalities in there that don't really align with where the organization needs to go. And it's is that is that sort of values and beliefs? Do you think is that is that, is that what you oh, mean absolutely. It's, it's values and beliefs. Um, you know, it's style, it's behavior, it's um, you know, it's just uh, it, it has less to do with dress and has more mm. to do with how you address things. And yes. there's a difference. And organizations need that, but they need to define it. And that's another reason why I created these four traits inside a reliability quotient because i believe performance reviews uh are too lengthy and not and not they don't get to the core of what uh of what an organization needs to accomplish um mm -hmm. but ultimately when you do this and if you do it right as an organization you can actually start defining what, what authenticity means and if you can imagine what it'd be like if you don't i think of your busiest street where you live and if there's no traffic lights right it's the same thing it's a nightmare because then you've got everybody running into each other and nothing getting done. So organizations need to define what that what, what that means to them. That's interesting because I, I think a lot of the focus on authentic leadership is the, the individual, isn't it, uh, in terms of how leaders should be at. But actually, um, organizations need to set the expectations and set out how they perceive it to be or say how – the brand as that organization is going to, or the culture, I should say, is going to play out in terms of the behaviors and expectations and the values that we believe and to our clients, to our employees. Uh, and that, that's, that's an interesting point, actually. It's, it's one that's often missed, I think, in terms of people tend to just focus on the individual, don't they? Yep. Well, and I often say, you know, I often point out that there's a, I call it cost because there is a cost to it. If you, don't align the organization from a leadership point of view. Your culture, your operational execution, your strategies, and your talent are never aligned. So it spells the word cost uh, when you put those words together. 
And there is a cost to it when you don't align them. And mm. authentic, aligning authenticity from a believable leadership point of view is the foundation for where organizations need to go. And what are your thoughts on the last, I guess, now two years now, uh, when we've been going through this pandemic, in terms of styles of leadership? Do you, I mean, there's been a lot of talk about empathetic leadership, which sort of links in a little bit with authentic leadership. Do you think those organizations that have, have continued to thrive and are successful are playing more into an authentic approach? Uh, and those who are not, are not playing that way, do you think? Do you think there's a... A difference? Have you noticed that with the organizations you deal with? Absolutely. So, look, you know, when uh, the news comes out uh, that a retailer has shut down their stores because in New York City, um, you know, the, the virus is spreading too fast. They want to protect their customers and their employees. That's empathy, right? An organization has a high standard and that permeates with the public. And if, on the other hand, you have somebody who fires 900 people. <laughs> Um, on yes, a, on Zoom. That's <laughs> so you know, I mean, there's no empathy there, right? I mean, that's absolutely, you know, it's a very important aspect of what's happened in, with the pandemic is that people begin to matter again, right? It's not just the numbers. Numbers do matter because you have no organization to 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 run if, they, if you're not delivering. But uh, when you have a high standard in terms of empathy and taking managing people from a Managing your employees and leading them, they will manage and lead with your customers. The one feeds the other. Mm. Um, then organizations thrive, and you can see that in, in many of them. But today, but the pandemic has certainly pushed that envelope. Um, some organizations closed down over the holidays, gave some employees ten days off or eight days off, whatever it was. Um, that's that's a big deal. You're making a statement, and mm. uh, more people will want to work for you. More people will trust you. Um, it's not, this is important. Now, I, I did say something to somebody else the other day, which was um, the organizations that uh, continue to follow up with this post-pandemic and we are able to uh, embed this into their culture and develop it further are the ones that are probably going to grow the fastest over the next few years. And just with those examples you've cited, it, it, it almost is like not rocket science that you should adopt some more empathetic, authentic leadership. Uh, however, <laughs> there's a lot of companies out there that are not and are still successful. Um, why do you think they're not pursuing a more, I suppose, more human-centric approach, I guess, to, to leadership? Well, you know, a lot of those organizations are in short part, live, live day to day. They can be, you can be successful, but you're living day to day. And so it's about short-term results. Um, and that matters more than anything else. And that's the culture, right? They've bred that culture. And you, you know, I'd, I'd be interested to see what the turnover numbers are in, in organizations like that, too. Uh, I don't think people join organizations like that for a long time. Um, I think they join organizations because they like that because they need a job. And eventually they move on. Uh, mm -hmm. But... Uh, you know, I, but there's, it's cultural, you know, I mean, different countries have different views of how, how you manage and lead people and how you treat them. And that, and, and how does, I mean, just to be talked about organizations have different ways of playing out authenticity according to their, their values, I guess. Have you noticed differences in different cultures around the world in terms of how that's played out? Because obviously, you know, me talking to somebody in India versus talking to somebody in Canada, 
might have a different perspective on what authentic leadership is. Well, you, you, you're right. So um, I've had the bet. I will tell you that I may not come across as your typical Canadian. I've been told that many times um, <laughs> because I spent, I spent a lot of time in the U.S. and not, no harm, no no uh, insults to my U.S. friends, but it's uh, beneficial. But um, you know, culturally, Canadians we tend to be very reserved. Um, you don't hear, you don't hear us being the cheerleaders in the back. You know, we certainly got a lot of spirit and a fight in us, yeah. but we're, we're not usually the ones that are doing it. Uh, my Australian friends will tell you uh, culturally, you know what, we're, we're very upfront. We're, you know, we stay, we can stay, be standoffish as well, which is true. Um, but you, you think about how that affects, uh, and I actually, you mentioned India. I read something in India, um, when it comes to authenticity, it's more about uh, so, uh, rising to a higher level of self-personal consciousness. Um, so that's mm. very unique. I've never thought of that. Um, mm. but, you know, but I think it comes back to that self-realization uh, in some way. But yeah. it's a cultural thing. It's different. Um, and so we, 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 do, we do have differences uh, that way. But, you know, I always say, you know, if you, if, if you, say in some, send it, some, if you relocate somebody who's an introvert, uh, from Canada to the U.S., quite capable, has all the you know. You're you're smiling because you know what I'm about to say, you know. And um, you know, you get send them out there for an interview, and they don't get the job, but they're quite capable. They have all the credentials, they have all the experience behind them. But because they're an introvert, right? In that in the U.S. culture, they may not be seen as someone who's capable of leading, right? Mm. That's part of the dilemma. Um, that ha- that takes place with different cultures that you know they're just locked into their uh, blinders and they see what they what they think their world should be like and anybody coming in should be the same. Unfortunately, you shortchange your organization from diversity and growing when you do that, and it's it is problematic. For so I guess we're saying that we're in some sense a product of our culture that we live in, aren't we? In terms of you know I live in the UK and. We're a little bit more reserved, probably than Canadians. I know we are. Uh, my, my daughter's in Canada; she she's in in, in BC, uh, and they're a bit more less reserved than we, I think, <laughs> and even less than the US, obviously. Um, do you think also, just diving down to that authenticity piece of, is it deeper than just our our values and beliefs? Does it go really down to our like core of who we are? Because obviously, we're trying to bring that true self out here aren't we because so people know you know who george really is who julian really is and there's ways of bringing that out it goes deep in just the the cultural thing isn't it we are influenced by the culture i appreciate that Uh, but do you think it's really much deeper than that julian i brought my kids up and my middle child once asked me when he was about seven years old you know because i was going off to work his daddy when will i be a leader like you i had no real good answer at that moment. But one came to me because my wife says, I always have to answer the question the kids asked. So I answered. And I said, well, when your heart, mind, and soul know are one, then you'll know you're a leader. Right? And it's stuck with them. And I've shared that with adults many, many times <laughs> because it's true. Right? When you finally connected with yourself, that's the beginning. Mm. It's the beginning of the foundation of who you become. Yeah, that's important, actually. It's that... You know, is it was it two, the two important dates in your life, the day you were born and the day you find out why, which goes back to that sort of purpose, yeah. self-awareness. And once you know that and you start acting yourself 
and who you are, then you start doing things to a level of excellence because that's what you're here to do. If you know what I mean? Exactly. Excellent. Um, just moving on to you had three other aspects to your um, your was it was it something was it relate what was the quote leadership quotient what was the what was the yeah, so it's called the uh, the reliability quotient and um, you know so I I tied the four together so authenticity uh, I tied it to integrity uh, which is which is about incorruptible leadership and basically that mean well incorruptible is quite upfront you know you're you're not going to um, say or do anything that will harm your reputation or the reputation of the organization or anyone else right you're not going to take a bribe <laughs> you're not you know you're not going to fire 900 people um, you know there, it's it's about that and then um, credibility uh, I defined it as proven leadership that you know we can look back to, to Julian and George and what they've done in their past and that validates their ability to deliver results mm-hmm. and then accountability and says, so, you know, you are, you know, you, you hold yourself accountable. So, and, but you also hold everyone else accountable to the same standards. So there's consistency in what you're doing. But like I said before, these three, uh, integrity, credibility, and accountability mean nothing without authenticity. Right. Mm-hmm. You, all of these three deliver to making you believable. And that's, fundamentally what uh, what this was all about and if an organization wanted to create their own reliability quotient um they would be far better off as an organization long term because it's just four attributes to work off of as opposed to 30 or 40 in a, in a performance review which has always baffled me anyway so yes i've always been baffled with like you know 10 pages of doing a performance review it feels like uh, far ex- too much excessiveness about it all yes i agree and nobody's um, trained to to be uh, to write behavioral reviews well no and, and it's interesting you, you, you talk about those four aspects you know authenticity um integrity credibility and accounts but even those in themselves how do you measure those how do you you know, how do you sort of determine whether somebody's been more authentic or not? Um, you know, what are, what are the, I guess, statements you would use? Because even then, our I mean, credibility is a little bit more more robust in the sense of you can see somebody's done something. Uh, integrity, again, how do you measure that? Um, accountability is a little bit more easier. That'd be interesting to, to bring to, to, to pass, actually. Well, it, it, you're right. It, it is. And I have defined it in the book. I've gave examples of uh, what integrity is about. Um, but, you know, integrity is also about empathy. You know, the, you, you, mm. is your, is your empathy, does your empathy have integral background to it? Mm. So there are a lot of people who, who are great actors, by the way. And a lot yes. of people who are great actors. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so you have to be able to define, to define that. And organizations can... Um, take those four traits or competencies and build around them what they yeah. want. I defined them uh, the way I thought they should be, uh, but you can add more to it. And uh, each one only has uh, 10 points to it. Uh, right. What to do is just check them off or even change them. But the idea behind it is, you know, simplify this. Simplify it, simplify it, simplify it, because you're going to make your organization far more effective by sticking mm-hmm. with principles that actually are easily accepted by everyone. Because you know what, if um, 
I, if you have, if you say integrity is important, people will start working on their integrity and they'll mm-hmm. recognize what they can and can't do. Um, yeah. And if you say credibility is about proven leadership, but think about it. You know, if you want to work for Apple and the, one of their traits is about credibility is proven leadership, you're going to work hard at proving your leadership, right? Or, or, and, the, and that means everything that you do day in and day out. Um, and I and I, I really believe in these in these traits that are they're important in uh, in getting organizations to be uh, to create that reliability and performance. And mm. today, Julian, in this marketplace, it's fast changing. You know, you don't know what's coming next. Technology is continuously mm. disrupting everything. Reliability becomes that much more important. Oh, totally. And it's interesting because I I work with companies and I do a lot of um, uh, value sort of help help them work on their values as, as organizations and i always then <clears throat> one of the ways to embed values into an organization is to put them into the yearly sort of um performance review it's almost you know list your values and and, and are they living up to those values uh, as behaviors and, and and it keeps that focus on you know integrity is one of them you know and, and obviously give examples of how they've been had, had integrity in that year so it's a way of embedding and focusing and bring into life, I guess, something that's just put on a piece of paper. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we live these values because we're going to we're going to track you on them. Uh, some of them are a little bit subjective because sometimes it's not always difficult to define stuff, but at least have an intent of that focus. Um, I like the last one you, you you said about the accountability. So I think to me, any leadership has to have a an accountability about it, and whether that's in a, a government leadership through to a lead in the company and through to our own self <laughs> accountability is key because without accountability nothing really happens does it uh, you know because you know people at this time of year are setting their new year's whether there's resolutions or goals and they're great and it's good to have a focus it's good to have something to go for but if you're not got an accountability with somebody whether that's a friend a coach or a colleague without enough self-motivation that's probably not going to happen because you're just saying, oh, it doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, so I, having that accountability is quite key, isn't it, in terms of uh, making leadership really happen? Well, it is. And how do you, you know, you can, how do you grow if there's no accountability? How, does that, you, how do individuals grow? How, you know, how do uh, how performance in the organization grow? You know, what are the accountability? I worked for PepsiCo for several years. And during the time that I worked for them, and I'm not sure if they still do it anymore, but mid-year, there was always a developmental review. It was not a performance review, it was a developmental review. And I always looked at it as a form of accountability by the organization to ensure that they were developing their people. Mm. And it was always driven that way. So um, when you, when it, accountability has different, has different measures, but I'm just throwing that out as an example that it's not always uh, financial. No. Sometimes it's just something that you want to do to improve the organization. By mm. and by the way, I I felt that there's probably those best seven years. Not that the other companies I worked for weren't great, but from a developmental point of view, there was probably the best seven years of my life. Mm. Interesting, interesting. Well, it's been great uh, talking to you and and just <clears throat> opening up a bit more uh, about authenticity uh, and how that plays out in leadership. Uh, I think. Others will have different views, um, different perspectives, which is good and good to have. Uh, but I think it's a really valid thing to talk about and it's an important aspect of leadership, however you sort of define it, having that sense of 
being more human centric, more about being ourselves, uh, I think is uh, really sort of vital now in organisations. Um, if people are interested in your book, um, hey, what, 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 remind them what it is and perhaps show them the picture of it if you've got it in front of you. Well, <laughs> I've got my, my working copy here. I don't know if I can do this. Here we go. Actually, it's in the background with me as well. Uh, the book is available uh, just about every bookstore around the world. But uh, today, I think some 60% of books are sold through Amazon. So it's there as well, if that right. makes it's more expeditious. Um, and um, so it's it's a look. It's a great book. Um, I I enjoyed writing it because I and I wrote it because it was about the transition that a lot of organizations and leaders are facing, uh, going from you know the 20th century to the 21st century, and we're only into the second decade of this, and um, long way to go. Long way uh, to but, go. Uh, but uh, if anybody wants to get a hold of me, it's through uh, InceptionRetailGroup.com, and uh, there's an email address there and you can get in touch with me well thank you for your time today george really enjoyed our conversation pleasure julian thank you if you like this episode then please do rate review and share with your friends and colleagues as a consultancy we help smes build resilient high performing teams and businesses quickly so they can innovate deliver and thrive if you'd like to build a resilient team and business that creates innovates and delivers, then do get in touch at julianrobertsconsulting.com.